0: This morning's reading comes from Colossians 3, the first 17 verses. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. (coughs) Bear with each other.
1: Well, good morning. I feel like I need to reintroduce myself. Uh, it's been about six weeks since I've been here. With One thing and another, travelling, and uh, then our son's wedding. And then uh, last weekend, Heather and I actually got a breather and, and went away together. So it really is good to be back home. It's uh, Really, just... Although I'm a member of this church, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not always here, but I, I feel that I do... I am connected, even when I'm not here. Hope you feel the same. And this morning, I've been given uh, the text of Colossians three to, to speak about, which was uh, a, a real gift. Great! Uh, it's a great book. It's also a great chapter. And I, I've chosen to zero in on just a few verses, uh, rather than try to do a, a very um, uh, sort of overview, uh, sort of a thing. I've, so sort of dive deep into just verses eleven to fourteen out of the ones that Heather read to us, and this is about living in God's community. You know, Paul was—he's uh, he's a missionary. He's going out. He's, he's taking the gospel into new places, like uh, Sam and Luke were saying. You know, his, his real concern is that people who've never heard about Jesus get to hear about him. But this letter and other letters spent a lot of time really addressing matters for believers and how they relate together. You ever thought about that? How, how old it is that this missionary who's really concerned about mission and going out and pushing into new areas, spends a lot of time talking about how do we get on together. There's a really important link here, um, because God has um, brought us uh, into a new situation. Uh, Colossians 1.13 says he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves now that's great for us individually but what God's doing here is forming a community a community of his people the whole of the Bible is all about this you know, he, he called Israel to be his people um, and not picking on Israel but I mean they did mess it up <laughs> over and over again and, and the church does too we are called to be his people and the point of this is to give people somewhere a way that they can understand the gospel, they can understand the good news about his kingdom. The good news has always been you can live in the kingdom of God, you can live under God's rule. You don't have to be apart from the peace and safety and blessing that is available when you live under God's authority. It's a great place to live when you live in right relationship with God, under his rule, that is good. That's truly, truly good. And the good news is you and I and everyone can live in that place. God's wonderful mercy has been expressed that he's taken us from the dominion of darkness, that place of of danger, of death, of destruction. He's taken us from that place and put us into the kingdom of the son he loves. This is a good place to be. But how do we understand what that looks like? Well, God's design is, it's not that the church is the kingdom of God, but the church is the first place that we ought to be able to look to see what the kingdom of God is like. I guess the the very confronting truth is that very often that's not the case. When people look at the church, they don't see the kingdom of God expressed. And that becomes a real rebuke to us. We need to put this right. We need to allow God to have his way so that when people look at the church, they see what life looks like under his rule. Sometimes we feel that, you know, the world picks on us a bit because we get it right a fair bit of the time. You know, I just even the, the, the brief time uh, when Heather and I turned up a little bit early this morning. Just good people who, who smile at us and give us a hug. And all, you know It's a really good place to be here, isn't it? You know, where you come, no one's picking on you. Uh, you know, people are actually really nice. <laughs> They're really nice. They smile and they welcome and they, they do kind things. We get it right a fair bit of the time. Uh, and sometimes we can feel when uh, we're portrayed in the media in such a, a disparaging way that that's really unfair. But I guess we've got to take uh, on the chin also that uh, we have messed things up. I say we collectively, maybe not you individually, although maybe you haven't always (laughs) been uh, fully expressive of the the way God wants you to to behave uh, in community. But the good news uh, this gospel needs to um, be lived out amongst us in such a way that people can look at the church and say, ah, oh, that is what it's like to live in God's kingdom. I want to live there. That's good. There's a fellow uh, called Leslie Newbigin. He was a, a British uh, missionary and um, he had a, a very powerful uh, missionary career in India, but he's the most... Um, influence that he had was after he finished his career as a missionary in India, returned to England. He's retired. He's now in his 70s. And he not only was a missionary, he was a great theologian. And he started to reflect on what it was like to come back home as a missionary, with a missionary mindset, and to think about uh, what God was doing in England. And uh, some of the, the things that he wrote then are still impacting missional thinkers today. Very, very challenging things. One of the things he wrote is this. This is out of a, a book called The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. He says, I've come at the primary reality of which we have to take account in seeking for a Christian impact on public life. And I think that's something we're all, we're pretty interested in. How does, how do we have a Christian impact on public life. He says, the most in primary reality, is the Christian congregation. Bunches of people like us here at Epping. How is it possible that the gospel should be credible? That people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross? How are people going to come to believe that? I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only He uses the word hermeneutic of the gospel. Uh, What he means is a way of understanding, a way of interpreting the gospel. The only hermeneutic or uh, way of understanding the gospel is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? How are people going to believe that this is true, what we talk about is true, unless they can see a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it? Of course, I'm not denying the importance of many activities by which we seek to challenge public life with the gospel. Evangelistic campaigns, distribution of Bibles and Christian literature, conferences, even books such as this one, he says in the book that he writes. But I am saying that all of these are secondary, that they have power to accomplish their purpose only as they are rooted in and lead back to a believing and practising community. So this isn't just a club for Christians with member benefits. That's not what we're about. We are actually about demonstrating what God's kingdom looks like practically, like really, when it really comes down to it, not just theory, not stuff you'd read in a book. What does it actually mean to live under God's rule? This. That's what it means. And then... We have here in Colossians 3 an explanation of so, how do we get on? It starts, uh, ah, yes, with how God relates to us. Oh, hang on, I've gone one too far, haven't I? Here we go. So, God's brought us into this new situation. So, here in God's community, um, I want to pick it up from verse 11. As uh, Paul talks about uh, some things that we need to address in ourselves. Things that we've just got to stop doing, you know. And then he says in verse eleven: Here, in this new reality into which God's brought us, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is in all. Basically, what Paul's saying here is: We're not going to have any labelling. There's not going to be any categories. We're not going to, you know say, oh, you're this, you're that, and start having divisions on the basis of these worldly ways of looking at people. Now, these are very first-century categories. We don't call people Jews and Gentiles anymore, do we? Or uh, even circumcised, uncircumcised, those kind of categories. Barbarian. The barbarian uh, to the Greek, the barbarian was anyone who didn't speak Greek. Because the Greeks would say, when they heard a foreign language, they'd say... Just sounds like they're going ba 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 ba, and they call them barbarians. It was a it was an insult because you don't speak Greek, well you're an idiot. Anyone who didn't speak Greek was just you know, a nincompoop. poop. Scythians, uh, Scythians. Um, was a, a name for people who were incredibly gr- brutal and cruel. They were feared. And hated because they were vicious in the extreme. So, what kind of categories do we have these days? We have different categories, don't we? Um, terrorist. And we can lump a whole, anyone who, you know, someone of Middle Eastern appearance, oh, well, you'll be a Terrorist. I mean, it, it, it can come down to that, can't it? What, what other kind of categories are, are used in Australian society to just label, you know, just box people in? You're, you're you that. What, what categories do we use? <laughs> it's okay. There are people here who love you. <laughs> uh. Oh, it goes out, doesn't it <laughs> poor? poor, yeah, the poor, conservative. sorry, conservative. Yeah, conservative or liberal, yep, yeah. other kinds of categories so bogans, Bogans, exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be our um sort of our equivalent of the the barbarian, huh yeah, bogan, you're a Westie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Kath and Kim sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> we, we do tend to do this. It's just human nature does tend to do this. We categorise, box people. We, we just label them and then we can dismiss them, can't we? So what Paul is saying, not in the kingdom of God. We're not labelling people here. We're not boxing them, not categorising them. Christ is in everybody here. So forget your categories. We're not going to box people like that say, oh, you're an Aussie, or you're not an Aussie, or you seem to be, um, you know, well to do, oh, you look down at heel, there's none of that, not in the kingdom of God, because it's a level playing field at the foot of the cross, you know, so um, that's where he starts, here, there's no Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, and then we can put our own categories in there, the, the, the message is, forget the labels. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now this is, he's about to say some things about how we should relate to one another. But he's, he's going to start by saying, you need to know how God relates to you, first of all. God relates to us with acceptance, with forgiveness and with love. Now he's going to circle back to this, uh, at the end of this little section. But he wants to start by saying, this is how God treats you: with acceptance, with forgiveness, and with love. We are a chosen people, we're embraced, not excluded. See that, that's what the world does. You know, it excludes people, you know, boxes them in you know, labels them. Oh, well, you're in, you're out. No, God does not treat us that way. We're chosen. We're included. We're embraced. We are not excluded. And you know. I think we need to have our little pride bubble popped before we can appreciate what amazing news this is. Because I look at myself and I think there's a little part in me that thinks, well, why wouldn't God embrace me? I'm awesome. (laughs) You You know, until I appreciate what a nobody I am, I can't really appreciate how incredible it is that God has chosen me. Why should he choose me? Anything that's in us that feels like we have a sense of entitlement to be chosen, wake up. We are all nobodies, folks. None of us have any entitlement to be chosen by God. This is incredible news. We've been chosen. We've been included. We've been embraced. We have not been rejected or just, oh, well, you, you know, you don't count. This is really surprising. This is amazing that God has chosen us. He's accepted us. What's all? Odd that we are. All our little quirks. <laughs> he's accepted us, chosen us, and he's forgiven us. We are counted as Holy. Holy people, in spite of our shortcomings. Not only am I a nobody, I'm a nobody who is stuffed up, majorly. And so are you. (laughs) But we've been counted as holy because of God's great forgiveness. That's how he treats us. And we are dearly loved. There's this affectionate warmth holding us to be dear. How wonderful when you come to accept that God really likes you. He really likes you. He looks at you and he goes, ah, oh, yeah, one of my favourites. <laughs> one of my favourites. So dear. That warm affection is something that, um, oh, well, a lot of us have really struggled to accept that that's true. Uh, we can uh, grasp more readily the greatness and the majesty of God. But that warmth and tenderness, that kind of intimacy that actually he really likes you, in, that's harder to hit home. And when it does, it's a wonderful thing. So how God relates to us with his acceptance and forgiveness and love, that's the platform for how we relate to one another. Forget the categories and the labels and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to uh, relate to each other that way. We're going to start with how is God related to us? Accepted, forgiven, loved us. So how are we going to pass this on to others? We've been brought into a new situation in the kingdom of God. Um, And so uh, Paul's using an analogy here of clothing, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly love, clothe yourselves with. And he's got five inner qualities or inner attitudes that he's going to suggest to us that we put on like clothes. Um, Travelling, uh, you know, you have to adapt uh, to new situations. Um, I was recently in Scotland. They say this, um, in Scotland, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only inappropriate clothing. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be able to adapt. What's the climate like? Well, gosh, we hear a lot about climate change. If we think about climate change as an analogy for culture change, the, the climate of our culture in Australia has become worse and worse and worse. How do we dress for a climate like that? Well, I think in the kingdom of God, what Paul is saying here at the Colossians is so very relevant for how we should dress in our current culture. The climate in this culture is getting pretty <laughs> it's pretty bad the way that people relate to one another so we have a chance in the church to show people a very different way to relate to one another the five things he says, is compassion, kindness humility, gentleness, patience great attitudes and qualities that reflect the character of Jesus and then he's going to have three actions but let's look at these five attitudes first of all, compassion I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to challenge my own compassion fatigue. They talk about that as being a, a 21st century phenomenon. Uh, we are exposed to trauma so much more in this century than in any century previous. We, in The news gives us really traumatic news every night. We're seeing these images, and it's disturbing, isn't it? And uh, when you are bombarded with these things... Um, it's like your compassion just gets worn out. And have you ever felt this? You're seeing something on the TV going, why am I not crying? Because right now this is terrible, but I, it's like my emotions are worn out. Do you, do you feel that? That's, they call that compassion fatigue. And it's a real thing. We, we just know too much. So when we come together... How do we overcome compassion fatigue? Uh, just a couple of illustrations this morning for me. Uh, right in this little period, life's been great. So somebody says, to, oh, Rick, how are you doing? I'm going really well, and I genuinely am. But then my question back to Steve. Where are you, Steve? There you are. Um, you know, we're in, in the loo, and I said, how are you? And he said, well, actually, it's been really hard. It's been a lot of death. So I've got a choice at that point. Now, am I going to allow myself to feel compassion for Steve or am I going to hold myself and go, I was doing really well before I asked that question. Not, no, I've, I've got to. If I am going to take the way of Christ, I've got to allow my compassion to wake up. I choose that. And we turned around in the greeting time and I just heard that um, Fred Darrell Bignall's daughter, Kristen, um, their son, 22? Um, 24? 23, okay. And he's just been married a year and he's just passed away of leukemia. <coughs> now that, I don't, not, not very many people here perhaps know Fred and Narelle. They used to be members here, um, so some of you do. I mean, that's, that's really tragic. Compassion, it's hard there's a part of us that wants to protect ourselves from that kind of stuff but i think you know when you know how the compassion of god has come to you when you like you've there's this source we can draw on in god that allows us to give in compassion you know he can renew us and heal us and allow us to choose to be compassionate to go there and to be renewed in that process actually as we refuse to give in to compassion fatigue and we care about the people around about us, even though it is demanding and it is draining, God fills us up again. The power of the Holy Spirit then starts to flow through a community of people. And that, my friends, is different to the world. And that could really get people's attention. It's Compassion, living differently, starts with an inner disposition that we consciously choose Then kindness. If if compassion is the internal motivation, then kindness is the the way that we express that. And it starts with just being nice. You know, little things, just doing good, simple manners. Um, It could actually start with a smile. Uh, As I got from Bill this morning, I walked in from the street, there's a big grin on Bill's face. And I feel, I'm home. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) Uh, You were part of God's grace to me this morning. Kindness. Simple little things. Let's be kind to one another. Heather asked me coming in here, so what's your sermon in a nutshell? I said, be nice to each other. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, there's a bit more than that. Okay, and then humility. Humility is really important because... the. The attitude with which help is given uh, matters. Uh, we, we can't be giving a kindness to other people in a superior way or in a way that's designed to make us look good. You know, it takes humility to live differently according to the character of Jesus and gentleness. You know, When we're wanting to help somebody else, you don't force help on another person. You know, Heather and I were down in Geelong and... Um, we went to a fish and chip shop and uh, so we're waiting for our fish and chips to be delivered and there's a, a, a lady, very large lady, she's sitting on a, an aluminium chair, wait, also waiting for her fish and chips, and uh, the poor dear, <laughs> um, she, she looked at me and said, oh, sir, help me, help me. One of the aluminium legs gave way uh, and she, she collapsed. Now, she's a, she's a big lady. And she just kind of squeezed herself into this, this chair. And all of a sudden, she, she's on the floor. And, um, and she's, oh, I, sorry, it's, this is going to be really hard. I've just had an operation on my knee. I can't bend my leg at all. How's she going to up, get up off the floor? I asked another fella to come over and, um, and help us. And, uh, yeah, he, so he was happy to do that. So he got under one arm. I got under the other. But it was pretty clear she did not want us to do this. At this point... You know, now, and he's saying, are oh, right. we right? We can do it, we can do it. She's saying, no, no, please don't. He says, no, no, trust us, we'll do, it. we'll do it. And I said, mate, we need to make sure we only do what she wants done here, okay? So just back off. I think he just wanted to be the hero. Yeah, and now he was, I guess he was trying to be kind, he was trying to be helpful, but he was trying to force his help upon her. And she knew this was not going to be something she would enjoy. It would not be helpful. I think we've got to have that presence of mind when we're being kind to other people. Uh, Be kind on their terms, not our own terms. Hmm. So, gentleness. Consider how what you do or say is going to be received by the other person. And then patience. The climate of this world is rush and hurry. It's just go, go, go. And in God's community, we we allow for people to be slow. So those five inner attitudes reflect the character of Jesus. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, really, all these things. Compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. It's not like we can just whip these things up. Actually, we ask the Holy Spirit to produce these things within us, and his work uh, can transform us in those ways. But we pass on to others also what we have received. It's like a new uh, set of clothes. So we went compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And then the acceptance and forgiveness and love that we've received from God, Paul's saying now, this is what you pass unto others. Bear with each other, which is about acceptance. You are the way you are. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He's really underlining that point. You've received this. All these things, acceptance and forgiveness and love, you've received this from God now. You need to pass this on to others. That's how it works in this new place that God's brought you to. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The acceptance is when we bear with one another, we're choosing to include and not exclude. There's some differences, some awkwardness, some irritations that are just never going to go away, they're part of the package. So in God's community, we don't label people. There are no misfits here, unless we're all misfits. Maybe that's how we feel. You know, We're all misfits in one way or another. Forgiveness. When we live in community, inevitably, we're going to offend against each other at some point. And that doesn't mean that we sweep grievances under the carpet, but it does mean that we will forgive first and then we deal with the issue without vengeance. It's just like God does with us. Forgiveness does not mean... God's forgiveness of us doesn't mean that he's going to ignore our shortcomings. But it means he's going to forgive us first and then, you know, he'll restore the relationship and then we'll work on those things. And the love. There's the thing that, like, the overcoat that you put on. It binds everything together in perfect unity. It's not the kind of love that only appreciates and values and enjoys. You know, when, when we use that word love in common Australian usage... It's usually that kind of love, like, oh, yeah, I love that. What we're saying is we appreciate that, we value that, we think that's good, that pleases us. But there's another kind of love, which is the love that gives, and that's the kind of love that needs to bind us all together in unity. There's a message here, I think, for the wider church, but we can't deal with that. We can't change the church in Australia. All we can deal with is Epping Church of Christ, maybe morning congregation, just us, here, in this room. We can deal with that. And what we can do is to forget the labels, receive God's acceptance and forgiveness and love, and pass that on to others, and ask the Holy Spirit to generate in us the compassion, the kindness, the humility. The gentleness, the patience that reflects the character of Christ. And if we do that, we will show the world
0: what the kingdom of God looks like. Amen.